Welcome to the Coach and Doc podcast, hosted by Coach Chris Cutcliffe and Dr. Hunter Taylor. Our mission is to bring you insight from the best of the best in the coaching profession. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at Coach and Doc, please visit our website, www.coachanddoc.com. Our next guest is Tamika Reed of the Jackson State Women's Basketball Program. Coach Reed is a two-time HBCU National Coach of the Year and a three-time conference champion who has earned a reputation across the country as one of the best team builders in college basketball. Plain and simple, she knows how to build a team, and we're eager to learn from her. Coach Reed, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, we want to jump right in because we know we don't get too much time with you. Um, and so first off, we're just thankful that you made time to do this. Um, I need to acknowledge the idea for doing this singular series came from you and uh, listening to you talk about uh, how you've kind of conducted some leadership study stuff with your players, not just in book form, but in podcast form. So wanted to acknowledge that and thank you for that great idea. And we've just, this has really been put together in a way that we've really enjoyed. Uh, I'm curious though, after hearing you speak, and like, you know, just hearing you know, different ideas that you would put out there, like it came across like you're really into player and personal development, especially with those that are on your team. So like the 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 season just ended for you. I'm well aware of that. And I'm sure, you know, you're you're working on building your roster for next year at the same time. But like, can you kind of give us some insight as to kind of the next couple of months in regards to your team? Uh, of like what you like to try and do, whether that's a certain amount of time off and then you jump into focusing on this aspect and this aspect or whatever. So. Yeah. um, You know, at this point of the season, um, I have a time to evaluate myself. I have a time to sit back and evaluate my team, my staff, Mm -hmm. each individual player, um, everything, all components of the program. I, I sit back and I evaluate where we are, um, the good things that we experience and some of the things that we need to really work on and get better at. Um, and, you know, we have a very strenuous schedule. We play a very tough preseason schedule. Um, we play a very tough, aggressive conference schedule because I'm, I'm a very passionate coach and I, I coach with a lot of intensity. And so my players play at that high level. And we play a long season, you know, and and so um, once the season is over, we don't go directly into working out. So that little space in between gives me that time to do my evaluations. Um, But after that, you know, I I come back in, I meet with my staff and we talk about areas that we need to improve in, things that we could have done better, um, disappointments that we experienced and how we don't want to experience those disappointments again, and how we're going to make sure that we don't see those those challenges and problem areas again. And so we sit and we talk about that, and you know, and then we meet with the players individually. Um, we meet with the players, and and right now that's what I'm doing right now, meeting with the players. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate sometimes at this point you bring some players back, and sometimes you release some players. You know, the players who were problem players, the players who didn't want to buy into the system, the players who didn't want to do what we asked them to do the entire year, the players who weren't serious about their academics. Some of those players are the players that we released from the program um, because 
you know, we we can't continue to build with players who don't want to be 100% bought in. And so that's the time, this is the time that we do that. And so, you know, I bring the players in and I'm, and, and I'm very, you know, um, I'm very detailed with them about what has to improve, what, what, where they were for the season, um, what worked, what didn't work and what my expectations are moving forward. So I will meet with each player. I will release the players who need to be released. And then I will, you know, we will prepare for practice. And so um, I, I'll do my meetings in about three or four days. That that last day of the week, we'll go into practice. And I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. We're back in high intense. Um, we're back getting after it. And we're setting the tone early right now which we will set for the following year. And so um, I, I like to make sure we quickly get back on that page. So that's what we're doing right now during this time. Yeah, I love it. I love, you know, taking that kind of time for, for self-reflection, reflection of the program. I think a lot of people move right past that step. I, I think that's huge. Um, so, hey, one of the questions I've liked asking is, as part of this series is, you know, you've been around a lot of high level teams. Um, and so what are some of the qualities that you've seen from people that you consider to be the best teammates that you've ever been around or coached or played with or, or whatever the case may be? You know, the best teammates, in my opinion, are, are first the teammates who are hard workers. Nobody is going to listen to a teammate that's, you know, always looking to cut, cut, cut corners. You know, they want to, they want the players who are going to work extremely hard. And so what I've seen, those are your better teammates. Sometimes they're not vocal. Sometimes they, they, they are leaders because they, they work hard. They're leaders because of their work ethics. And so those are really good teammates. Um, teammates that hold others accountable. You know, teammates that hold others accountable when they're doing something wrong, they're able to positively communicate with that player what's going wrong. Um, uh, they they know when I say positively communicate because a lot of times, you know, when when you can come you can come off wrong, you come off as having an attitude, um, or you you can come off as having bad energy. But those really good teammates, they know how to speak to each other, and they know how to hold each other accountable. Um, and they work by you know, and, and they show by example in their work, you know. And so those are the the best teammates that I have seen. Um, and the ones who are strictly about the business, they come in day in and day out, focus on being great, focus on the mission, focus on what has to happen for the program to be successful. They, they are players who don't do a lot of talking. They don't do a lot of laughing. They don't do a lot of playing. They are extremely serious. And I find that those are your, your better teammates. All right. Like a lot of people, I think both of us watched both semifinals games, the national championship game. Viewership was all-time high. Like the attractiveness of women's college basketball was unbelievable right now. And last year you played and almost beat LSU in the tournament. I know you have a relationship there with Coach Mulkey. I know you're also studying the game too, and you're always trying to take things from other cultures and adapt them to yours. I love your perspective on this. What do you respect about LSU's team culture, Iowa's team culture, and then I got to say South Carolina's team culture? Um, those those team cultures all come come to one point. 
that's a passionate coach. And um, it starts there. Those are really high intense, extremely passionate coaches who are highly knowledgeable, high IQ of the game. Um, And then they are coaches who have orchestrated a dynamic team. Um, Kim Mulkey, I, I will talk about her first. Kim Mulkey put together a team of nine transfers and she had to make it work. And, you know, people criticize their schedule in the beginning, preseason, always too easy. All they, they, they're not playing anybody. By the time they get to the SEC, they won't be good enough because they haven't been battle tested. But she was a genius. She used those games to where they could be dominant, build chemistry and build confidence. And um, and have an environment where it's a family environment. Everybody on the team can be successful. The ball is moving. They're sharing the ball, you know, and that was a genius move. And I mean, right now I'm trying to create the same type of schedule, you know, (laughs) but, you know, that they create that family environment. And I, I think that's that's why they are so very successful. The same for Iowa, the same for South Carolina. You have a group of players who are so locked in on being great. A group of players who want to get to the next level and play professional bas- basketball. You know, and, and they, they understand what the mission is. They don't come in and do a whole lot of playing. They are locked in. And um you know, it was just, you know, it was just a great sight to see, especially with the way the numbers went up and in, in, in the attendance and the viewers. Um, but I, I think you, you great, passionate coaches who put together great, passionate teams and the team players were team players, great team players holding each other accountable, wanting to to win a championship. They all wanted to win. And it, it was just great to watch. So I think that is is a perfect segue into the next question I wanted to ask. So I think as coaches, we've all been in this situation before, right? You just mentioned that their best players were also their their best teammates. We're all into the team environment, right? So what do you do when you have a really talented player who isn't a great teammate? You know, as a coach, how do you kind of work through that scenario? Yeah, um, you know, I, I see that a lot at my level um, and – you know, sometimes the most athletic player on the team may have some struggles. And so, you know, one, you have to identify what the struggles are. Two, you have to, and, and that's one-on-one with the player. You know, it, sometimes it may be something else going on in the personal lives. It may be something going on with their families. You know, it, I, I, I like to not assume um, players are just bad teammates you know I like to see what they're going through um but after we we, we figure out whether it's personal whether it's something that, that's in-house that we need to handle after we figure that part out and then we we got to begin to hold you know them accountable as a coach we hold the players accountable all right and we let you know for me I'm zero tolerance and I just tell my players you know we, we can't operate like this Winning the game is not more important than your character development. Winning the game is not more important than you being a great person. 
I want you to be great because if you're great, then we can win games. We can win championships. We can build a culture. And so you have to just have to hold them accountable, especially when you have a team that is built on expectations of winning and and, and winning on the court, winning off the court, winning in the class, in the community, you everything, every time you wake up, you want to win the day. And when you're constantly, you know, preaching that and talking to your players about that, that begins to be an expectation. And when you can't do that because you you have, you know, challenges or you, you're being a bad apple or being cancerous is what we call it then we have to sit sit down and talk about it and figure it out. I have gone to the extreme of, of, of letting them go. You know, hey, take a break. You need a mental health break. I'm going to give you two weeks off. I'm going to give you one week off. And when you come back, I expect to see a different player. If you don't come back any different, I will remove you from this team altogether. And so, you know, once you put those things out there, I think it helps tremendously. And I would go along another line and say, let the team talk to that player. Sometimes the team can say, hey, you know, you're just not cutting it for us. Hey, you've been a bad apple for us. Hey, you're not helping us be productive. Hey, you're not helping us reach our end goal. And sometimes when your peers tell you what you're doing, it hurts a little bit. deep. It, it goes a little bit deeper. And so we like to get involved all kinds of ways to kind of save our players and help them be great teammates. Yeah, great answer. Thank you. Thank you. Coach Reed, I remember this was something that you mentioned the last time I saw you at the MAC. We talked about mentorship and how valuable that you, how much value you put on that. And so uh, I, I was curious, what do you look for in a mentor and why is that so helpful? You believe in someone's growth, whether they're a coach or a player. And then I would also, you know, part two of that is, Kind of like, do you mentor anyone yourself that's also in the coaching profession? Yeah, I, I think um, I think having a mentor is really important because, you know, we we are changing lives. We are developing students to become successful adults. And when you get to the collegiate level, sometimes, you know, we are that that last opportunity for a player, for a person to prepare for life after college. And so, you know, you like to say, I know it all, I can do it all, but it's always great to have somebody who has a lot more experience, somebody who's been there on different levels, somebody who knows how to handle different problems. That's the importance of having a mentor for me. Um, and also somebody to support you. You know, somebody to support you and, and just let let you know that you're not in this alone because this this job can get very tedious. It can get very tough, you know, especially if the, the ball is not bouncing your way. It can get very tough and you can start questioning yourself and who you are and, and having that mentor, somebody to support you, uh, to keep you strong, to keep you in a place where you can continue to help change and develop lives. And your student athletes is really important. Um, so for me, I just look for someone who can, you know, communicate with me. We are all busy. And, and when we're looking for a mentor, we have to understand that mentors are going to be extremely busy, just like we are. So having that everyday conversation may not happen, but I look for someone who can reach out to me by a note, 
by a DM, by a text message, you know, a phone call here and there. You know, it may happen once a month. It may happen, you know, twice a week. You just never know. But you have to be okay with that because, you know, it's it's we 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 work a tough job as coaches. And so um, that's what I look for in my mentors. And I like to provide that as well. And because our time is is so scarce and we don't have a whole lot of it, you know, I like to share with my mentees, you know, um, experiences that I'm going through. You know, every now and then I'll say, hey, listen, this is what I dealt with this week. You know, how do you feel about this? You know, how would you have handled this? You know, and, and just talk to them and, and their perspective and send them little notes and send them books to read or chapters to read or get them to listen to something on a podcast that I heard. Just letting them know that you're on them, that you are on my mind. You know, that that's, you know, that's what I look to look to do for my mentees. All right. So I'm going to kind of flip the script on, on the last question I asked. So um, let's reverse the roles and let's say you have a player who is an incredible teammate who checks all of those boxes is everything you want in your program. And they're not a great player. They're not a super talented player. Right. So how do you help that person maximize his or her impact on the team? Because sometimes I think they get overshadowed by more talented players. How do you help give them a platform? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm very vocal, and and sometimes you do have those players who are not that talented, but they are good people. And I like to spend time with those players as well. Um, I like to give them a voice. Um, if we and and they, even if they are freshmen, I, you know, I like to give them a voice, and I'll call on them. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, you chime in on this conversation. You know, what are your thoughts? Give them a voice. Um, and, and, and let them feel some importance within the program as well. And just spend that one-on-one time to let them know that they matter and encouraging them every day to be their best person, to be their best self. You know, if you're not getting a lot of playing time, let practice be your game time. Let practice be your time to get better. Let practice be your time to get shine, you know, um, and then just overly celebrate the good moments that they have you know, and and get the team to overly celebrate them. And I, I think if you can you can get all pieces of the of the program feeling of value, I think, you know, that's when you 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 can experience a lot of success. I like it. Coach Reed, these have all been great. Look, we're gonna finish with we call it like a little rapid fire round, if you will. Okay. So I've just got four questions. They're a little lighter. And I think you'll be able to answer them a little quicker. Um, this is how okay. we finish it, okay? So All first right. one, first one ought to be pretty easy, but it might be controversial depending on uh, um, since it's your hometown. Favorite place to eat in Jackson? Oh man! Oh god! Ooh, table one hundred and Flowood. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, who's another HBCU head coach that you think deserves more recognition? Um, wow, that's a good one. Oh, I would say, um, I would say, uh, Frida Jackson at Alabama State. Okay. If you could pick. If you could spend one weekend or, you know, spend two or three days 
with another program that you've always wanted to just see the ins and outs of their program, of their culture, men's or women's basketball, any level, doesn't matter, what program would you pick? South Carolina, without a doubt. Okay. Women's basketball, yes. All right, last question. Um, it's really, I want you just to finish this sentence. Um, being the head coach in my hometown is? Legendary, amazing. Um, it's, it's an opportunity to show our student athletes right here in the city that they can do great things. Um, yeah. Legendary. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks a bunch for spending time with us like this. We're big fans of yours and, um, yeah, just to applaud all of the success that you've already had and are going to have. So this was perfect. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. We know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose us. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website, www.coachanddoc.com.